0: Listen to what we have to say. A king does not bargain for the loyalty that every subject owes him. Without loyalty, there is no kingdom. There is nothing. I'm here to speak for Sir Walter Loxley. Speak, speak if you must. If you're trying to build for the future, you must set your foundations strong. The laws of this land enslave people to its king. A king who demands loyalty, but offers nothing in return. I have marched from France to Palestine and back. And I know in tyranny lies only failure. You build a country like you build a cathedral, from the ground up. Empower every man and you will gain strength Mm. Well, who could object to such reasonable words? If Your Majesty were to offer justice, justice in the form of a Charter of Liberties, allowing every man to forage for his hearth, to be safe from conviction without cause, or prison without charge, to work, eat and live on the sweat of his own brow, and be as many as he can. His and that king would be great. Not only would he receive the loyalty of his people, but their love as well. So what would you have, hmm? castle for every man? Why <laughs> not? Every Englishman's home is his castle. Yeah. What we would ask, Your Majesty, liberty. Liberty by law.
1: Hi everybody! This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I opened up with that scene from the movie Robin Hood, the Ridley Scott version with Russell Crowe in 2010, showing a scary example of what England went through uh, when they were trying to uh, fight tyranny of the king and uh, trying to establish a, a country that was free, trying to establish a country where where uh, people could work as hard as they want to, you know, work work as hard as they want be as merry as they, as they can. And you know, that's, it's another word for the pursuit of happiness, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness we have rights to in this country. And that was before the pilgrims, the pilgrims finally got tired of, tired of the, the, the freedoms that they wanted, not being, not being what, what they were living in England, got on, got on the, the Mayflower and sailed over to the new, to the new world to start the United States of America back in the 1600s and establish what we know as United States of America, what we now see crumbling under Joe Biden administration. Um, that song was uh, Right Now, Van Halen. Uh, you know, I, I use that for, uh, for two reasons. Number one, right now is when we need to wake up, get ready to vote, um, take, take, uh, take inventory of, of our freedoms and say, hey, what is really happening? Look at what uh, you see on the news, what you see in social media, and look at what you see in your real life. And say, hey, what is really the truth? Joe Biden, I saw a clip of Joe Biden uh, yesterday. He was in, or yesterday, meaning Thursday. Um, he was in a fast food restaurant in, in uh, Los Angeles. And somebody said, hey, gas prices are seven, over $7 a gallon. He goes, oh, they've always been that high out here. I don't think so. I don't think so. I seem to remember like $3.39 uh, in, uh, when Trump was president. And of course, it was a buck 72 in, uh, in uh, Arizona the same day. Uh, so uh, it's, it's scary. The other reason I use the Van, Van Halen, or should I say Van Hagar, a uh, version of Van Halen, is Sammy Hagar turned 75 on uh, Wednesday or Thursday this week. Uh, hard to imagine. Hard to imagine that Sammy Hagar is 75. Man, how old are we? Too old. Hey, so anyway, let's talk about what's going on in this country now. With the midterm election three weeks away, Democrats are panicking about losing their majority. Of course, they've been saying for the last couple of months, oh, we're not going to lose the majority. The the Republicans are behind. That was just BS. Uh, So with the president of the Senate is now out on a PR tour. And of course, we're talking about the vice president of the United States and so-called border czar and, of course, the head of the Space Force, Kamala Harris. Uh, last week we saw her at the DNC women's event talking about distributing hurricane relief with equity this week. She's on a late night TV show acting like she has no role whatsoever. in what's going on at the border on NBC's late night with Seth Meyers, a show that airs about two, uh, 1230 AM, uh, when, uh, when, uh, drug addicts and, uh, insomnia people are up or people that work the night shift, I guess, or that work the swing shift coming home from work. The vice president was given some hard hitting questions like, What kind of texts is she allowed to send and what she likes to do for fun?
2: Obviously, you have to make a great many sacrifices to hold this office, but is it true that you you can no longer send emojis?
3: I have not received directly an emoji in... A year and
2: a half. Wow. Uh, There's a great amount of heaviness to your job. Do you have any time in your life to uh, relax and do anything uh, where you can unwind?
3: You know, we we, Doug and I will, you know, one of our favorite shows right now is House of the Dragon. Okay. We're watching that.
1: Yeah, House of the Dragon. She likes to watch House of the Dragon, smoke a little reefer, uh, you know, get some ice cream, some chips, maybe some Pop-Tarts and maybe some Chicken McNuggets and just kind of. You know, just relax in the in the Naval Observatory. Host Seth Myers eventually asked her about the border and immigration. But as we said earlier, she acted as though she has no role to play in fixing it.
2: One of the nice things uh, about the office, you get to live in the Naval Observatory. Uh, yeah. One of the current, uh, I would say, downsides of that is uh, Governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, is uh, participating in uh, a piece of political theater. He is sending... Yeah. Migrants, uh, basically dropping them off at your doorstep. Based on uh, the record amount of arrests at the border, it is a problem. What is the path forward?
3: I mean, we're talking about people who have fleed great harm, and they are coming here seeking refuge. And talk about political theater. I mean, playing games with people's lives, with their lives. And I just think it's an absolute dereliction of duty. If you see a problem... And if we agree that, that we need to address it, then if you're a leader, participate in a solution, right? When we first came in office, the first bill that we proposed was for a pathway for citizenship, was to fix a broken immigration system, which was broken under the previous administration.
1: Really? We're playing with people's lives. And if you're a leader, participate with a solution. Well, what's her title? Borders are No, I think it's vice president of the United States. Isn't that a position of leadership? Why doesn't she participate in a solution? She doesn't want you no know, one. If you see a problem, um, you know, and we need to deal with it. Well, hold on a second. You're not vice president of the world. You're not. Biden's not the president of the world. This is the United States. We're playing with people's lives. Yeah, well, you've got a whole bunch. You got 330 million Americans lives that that want to be protected and part of that is is having a border wall and not letting terrorists and drug and drug mules and all this all this other stuff into our country but she doesn't seem to to understand that so uh and here's a tough question as former vice president himself did joe biden give you any advice she didn't exactly answer the question
3: first of all i i love joe biden and I really do. And It's probably from... for the best that he can't send emojis, let's well... just say. But, you know, he is very thoughtful and he is very kind. And, you know, so he is thoughtful about, you know, the American people in terms of the work we've done. And it's been historic work, how we've lifted up working families, how we have invested in infrastructure, the biggest um, investment in the climate crisis, historic $370 billion. But what I will say in terms of the interpersonal relationship is he... He knows the job and he cares about the partnership. And um, and in that way, it makes it a, a real joy, given all that we actually need to address in terms of the challenges our country faces. But he really is quite wonderful. And yes, having been vice president, he knows what the job involves.
1: Yeah. Number one, she doesn't love Joe Biden. Number two, Joe Biden doesn't care about any kind of partnership with her. Number three, he knows what the, he knows what the job entails. Really? Uh, You know what? Here's what the job entails. Here's a scene from the contender. You remember what Ben Franklin said about the vice presidency. I
4: don't remember. What did he say? I didn't (laughs) talk to him.
5: (laughs) He said he ought to be addressed as your superfluous excellency.
1: Your super, your super, your excellency, meaning you're unnecessary. You're, you're just, you're not, you're not necessary. Hey, the vice president's job is basically doing nothing. Hey, you know, when there's danger to the president, you hide in case the president gets hurt. And uh, you step in at the if the if Joe Biden has to uh, has to, uh, you know. Be under under the under the uh, influence of of anesthesia uh, or if something happens to him, you become president. And if there's a t- if and if there's a tie in the uh, if there's a tie in the uh, in the Senate, you break the tie. So, other than that, what else does the vice president do? You go on TV and say stupid stuff. So, and she goes, "Hey, you know what? This is what we've done. We've lifted up working families. How have you done that? You drive the price of gas up, the price of everything up, and working families are losing are losing uh, ground based on what they're making. their Their money goes goes uh, a shorter distance. Oh, and we we passed the biggest climate change thing. Three hundred seventy billion um, is that." is that the the benchmark of how you uh, of how you 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 lay out your accomplishments based on how much money you spent it's ridiculous and if you and if you want low information voters on your side there's no better issue to use than decriminalizing marijuana pretty ironic i mean ironic considering how many people Kamala put in prison for weed possession when she was california's attorney general
2: other than just pressuring governors to do the same on the state level is there do you see legislation in the future
3: Well, you know, we've tried over the years. But let me just start with saying this. I strongly believe, and the majority of Americans agree, uh, nobody should have to go to jail for smoking weed, right? (laughs) Right? And so we start with that. And then we are, to your point, urging, and the president has been very clear, we're urging governors and states to take our lead and to pardon people who have been criminalized for possession of marijuana. And ultimately, though, as with so many issues, if Congress acts, um, then there is a, a, a uniform approach to this and so many other issues. But Congress needs to act. We're 29 days away from the midterms. Um, ask who you're voting for, what, where they stand on this, and um, and I encourage you to vote accordingly.
2: <laughs> you, uh...
1: <laughs> yeah, we love that cackle. And uh, you know, hey, ask where you stand on the issue of uh, marijuana legalization, and you know what. Hold that thought of what she just said. Remember this clip from the Democrat, uh, the Democratic debates in the 2020 election?
5: Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash bail system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way.
1: Well, that was Tulsi Gabbard of of Hawaii. And I don't know that I agree with all all of her statements, but that just effectively ended uh, Kamala Harris's uh, bid for the presidency. And, uh, you know, clearly Tulsi Gabbard uh, in a in a in a lineup of 16 or 17 Democrats was the smartest, the smartest man in the room. So let's talk about that. Usually the people we see leaving the Democrat Party are minor players who most of us have never heard of. A couple of recent examples, Parker Griffith, an Alabama congressman who became a Republican in 2009, then retired two years later then there's new jersey congressman jeff van drew who became a republican in 2019 he's still in office but this week someone we're all acquainted with announced that she will leave the democrat party former congresswoman tulsi gabbard of hawaii she not only ran for president as democrat in 2019 but also served as the vice chair of the dnc for three years she stepped down from that role so she'd be allowed to endorse bernie sanders in 2016 Um, Which I don't know if that was uh, that she really was behind Bernie Sanders or she just hated Hillary Clinton that much. During this time, Tulsi was the darling of the media. They couldn't get enough of her. Here they are fired up about her at the 2016 DNC convention.
6: Watch out for the next superstar. Here it's, we go. They're talking about welfare always. Here, Farrell, hey, listen, here hey, we listen. go. Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard is a rising star in this party. Ready?
5: You're considered a rising star in the Democratic Party. You had a position of leadership in the Democratic National Committee. Tulsi's story is really, I think, tailor made for Hollywood. I half expect Natalie Portman to
6: be vying for the role
5: any day now <laughs> because this story is not to be believed. Tulsi Gabbard, she is going to be the one to watch tonight at the DNC. And
6: Tulsi Gabbard, she's in a rock war veteran yes. yesterday she was promoted yeah. from captain to major in the hawaii yeah. national yeah. guard yeah, so, she, so she certainly is a rising star there. i
1: don't know but in a battle i want her in my trench I you
6: my- <laughs> me too me too
1: yeah there's a lot of things that tulsi gabbard says that makes her uh makes her one of my uh favorite former democrats um but there's a few things that that bother me about her uh, her her ideas about things besides the war and just in general Now, Tulsi Gabbard has had it with the modern Democrat Party and all it stands for. You may may recognize one of her accusations against the party. It's a word she often uses in her tweets and TV appearances. Here's the first part of her announcement.
5: I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who are driven by cowardly wokeness, who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution, who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents, and above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war.
1: Yeah, she sounds a lot different five years later, six years later um as she talks some sense into uh into what i've been saying hey how come all the democrats how come more of the democrats haven't switched i brought up hey we only need five people to switch in the in the house of representatives for us to take control we only need one senator in the senate to to switch so we can take control and we can turn this whole thing around so the word you may have recognized from her past accusations against democrats is warmonger that goes back to 2019 when Hillary Clinton was still running her mouth three years after losing the election to Trump. In order to keep Russia hoax alive, Hillary slandered Tulsi Gabbard on CNN by saying she was infiltrating the pool of presidential candidates as a Russian asset.
5: I'm not making any predictions, but I think they've got their eye on somebody who's currently in the Democratic <laughs> primary. She's a favorite of the Russians and are grooming her to be the third-party candidate. You no,
1: know, what's funny is... Uh, Today, as we were watching the uh, the John Durham uh, hearings and seeing how much of the whole Russian thing was just a hoax, was just BS that the Hillary Clinton campaign made up. And they were paying Christopher Steele and all these other people to to uh, build this this uh, this fantasy about uh, about Trump being colluding with Russia. And three years later, she's still talking about that crap. And uh, you know what? She wasn't even running for president, but she sure didn't want to be left out of everybody's thoughts. At the time, Tulsi immediately responded on Twitter. Great. Thank you, Ed Hillary Clinton. You, the queen of warmongers, embodiment of corruption, and the personification of the rot that has sickened the Democratic Party for so long, have finally come out from behind the curtain. From the day I announced my candidacy, there's been a concerted campaign to destroy my reputation. We wondered who was behind it and why. Now we know it has always been you through your proxies and powerful allies in the corporate media and war machines, afraid of the threat I pose. Now it's clear that this primary is between you and me. Don't cowardly hide behind your proxies. Join the race directly. Powerful words, powerful words for a Democrat to, uh, to take a knife to, uh, to Hillary Clinton's throat. Um, you know, I like her strength. I like her strength. And besides and other than those comments about, you know, uh, no cash bail being being a problem and, you know, worried about the worried about the uh, the poor people that can't get out of jail because they don't have uh, that they don't have uh, bail money. You know, I say I'm going to go back to uh, the Beretta series. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. You know If you if you can't afford bail, if you can't afford to be in jail then don't commit, don't commit robberies, don't commit, don't break the laws it's a it's it's a pretty easy concept um Tulsi did not say she's becoming a republican it's believed she's becoming an independent and maybe she will run for president as independent although not on behalf of russia she's encouraging other dem- democrats to join her now i believe
5: in a government that's of the people by the people and for the people unfortunately today's democratic party does not instead it stands for a government that is of by and for the powerful elite. Now I'm calling on my fellow common sense, independent minded Democrats to join me in leaving the democratic party. If you can no longer stomach the direction that the so-called woke democratic party ideologues are taking our country. then I invite you to join me.
1: Yeah, I've been, apparently I don't have a big enough microphone like she does. um, Which I don't argue. Uh, but I've been, I've been saying that for at least a year saying, Hey, you know, what? Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema, any of you, any of you Democrat senators, you have to see what's going on here. You have to be conscious of, of what you're, what the Democrat party is de- doing to destroy our country. Why don't you just take a stand and switch, you know, and all we needed was four or five, uh, uh, Congress people in the House of Representatives do the same. And you can't say, hey, out of 220 or 221 or 222 uh Democrats, there's not five of them that don't see the the damage that's going on in our country. The damage, hey, cutting off, cutting off our energy production. What has that done to the uh to the gas prices? What has that done to heating prices? What is that what is that doing to your to the citizens that you're supposed to represent? Remember these guys are supposed to go to go to Washington DC from our districts and spend x amount of time there and x amount of time here and they're supposed to be taking calls from us and saying hey we're supposed to be dealing with the what the problems that that the people in their district are having you're supposed to be able to call your congressperson and say hey what is going on with these gas prices don't vote for cut the for closing down the XL pipeline don't uh, vote for for uh, supporting the, the abandoning all the gas leases, the oil leases, and, and don't support all this stuff. They're supposed to listen to us and they're supposed to be supporting us. They work for us. We don't work for them. You know, this is not loyalty that, that the citizens owe the Congress or owe the Senate and certainly don't own the, owe the president. We're supposed to elect, elect people that represent us that will run our government The way we want our country run all that money they're spending is not theirs it's mine and it's yours and it's everybody who pays taxes doesn't belong to them well hey we spent 370 billion dollars to to fight climate change you didn't spend anything all you did was steal our money and send it there did you ask if this that's really what we wanted do you really want to just let another 30 million illegal aliens into this country and give them a uh, free healthcare and free all that. That's, that's the money. I know I'm just filed my taxes this week and I had to write a big check. And I'm, you know, I don't mind paying, paying my part to make sure that our, that we're protected and make sure the cops are paid and make sure that we have roads and make sure that we have a, a great country. But you know what? I'm not giving that up that much of my check to pay for illegal aliens to have have free stuff and come in here and murder people and bring in fentanyl and kill our kids. Anyway, I'm all out of time th- I'm all out of time for this half of the main event. So stay tuned for five minutes traffic, weather, sports, and commercials, and I'll be back with lots, lots more. Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance on the radio, but that's what I do. Um, if you want to find out about uh, about your uh, your real estate financing uh, situation and see if uh, you should be in the market or if you want to be in the market, or if you want to find out about one of those reverse mortgage things that so many seniors are calling about to find out if they can rearrange their uh, their finances in their retirement years. So that, uh, you know, hey, I, I feel like I've got more life left than I have money. And maybe uh, one of those reverse mortgage things might make my life a little easier. Or if you want to uh, find out about getting out of California or in California, uh, I'm licensed all over the place. Uh, call call me toll free at 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net. Click on the contact page or just send an email to ed at edhoffman.net. And uh, I'll get you all taken care of. So in the first half, we're... We were uh, talking about um, the uh, Tulsi Gabbard um, leaving the Democrat Party. And now let's talk about, um, while we're talking about warmongers that Hillary Clinton uh, Hillary Clinton, and her uh, trade jabs over, um, you know, while we're talking about warmongers, let's talk about Ukraine. And how is Vladimir Putin's war in Ukraine going to end? Well, what's going on is he's losing and he's expected to continue losing, thanks to the support of American and European allies. And the fighting spirit of the Ukrainian people, and I'm going to say more so the fighting spirit of the Ukrainian people than anything, because they're fighting for their lives. They're fighting for their country. They're fighting for what they believe in and the lifestyle that they that they uh, have known all their lives. And the Russian soldiers don't know what they're fighting for. Hey, Putin sent us over here. We're uh, we're, we're bombing these people. We're killing these people but we're really not sure what this is about so they're not really they're really not committed and of course when uh when Putin decided that he's going to call up every anybody who's been formerly in the military and redraft them we saw a mad rush to the airports for uh former soldiers to leave the country so so now he now he's losing last week he experienced another another devastating blow to his effort the bridge from Russia to Crimea, the U- Ukrainian territory that Putin illegally annexed in, for uh, for Russia in 2014. Remember when Obama was the president and uh, Russia came in? So think about this. So Russia, Russia kind of surrounds Ukraine. Ukraine has this island that's r- right on the south southern border. And of course, Russia comes around to the eastern border of Crimea. And so it's kind of close to Russia and it's kind of close to Ukraine. And it's always been part of Ukraine. So Russia decides, hey, we're just taking it. And Obama did nothing about it. Uh, he, he told them, oh, you can't do this. And he sent some blankets to the people over there, um, but didn't do anything else. Uh, so that they built this bridge a few years ago so that Russia can go directly over to Crimea without going through Ukraine. And it was blown up this week, hurting Russia's ability to get food, military equipment and other supplies to its troops in Ukraine. The explosion was believed to be caused by a bomb thrown by a truck driver. There's also a theory that that divers may have planted a bomb under the bridge. In any case, it's believed to be a Ukrainian operation, which it should be. Trump, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says the only reason Putin started a war in the first
6: place was that he saw an opening when the U.S. got a weaker president. He has no intention of stopping. This is going to require continued effort. Um, We've been too slow. We, when we said we'd provide HIMARS, we provided four instead of 40. We didn't provide enough ammunition. Every day that we give Vladimir Putin some idea that we're not prepared to do the things that will deter him, With deterrence, Martha, it's the simple idea. In his head, the cost of continuing this conflict has to be too high for him. It's what we did for four years. You know, I talked about 2014. He didn't invade Europe. On our watch during the trump administration you can say that was just pure luck i think it was because vladimir putin changed think that the calculus changed mm-hmm. when president biden came in and he saw what happened in afghanistan um, we have to restore deterrence and there's only one way to do that that is with firm resolve commitment from our partners and friends and a seriousness of mission including providing them targeting intelligence precision targeting intelligence that we have the capacity to do and we have not yet done
1: so if you remember at uh, 2014 we had a weak president obama and Russia went in and took Crimea and knew it, knowing that Obama was going to do nothing. Then we got Trump, Trump is strength, Trump is strong, and he will uh and he won't get pushed around and Russia did nothing. North Korea did nothing. China did nothing everything was everything calm and peace in the world and uh, as- Ru- as Ronald Reagan would say, "Peace through strength, show strength, show strength and the, and the bullies will stay away then the democrats installed biden we didn't elect him but they installed him and the world sees super weakness not just obama we've got a we've got a piece of broccoli in the in the white house he doesn't he doesn't he's not strong he doesn't even know what's going on and and he and he gave a great demonstration of that when we pulled out of pulled out of afghanistan by pulling the, the military out first I mean, what military advisor would say, hey, let's pull the military out in the middle of the night and then worry about the people that are there? Did the military advisors not step up and say, Mr. President, this is a stupid idea? Apparently not. Apparently not. So there's been chatter that Putin could eventually agree to secret talks with the U.S. It's a possibility, but Pompeo says that appears to be a long way off because Putin doesn't like this administration. You know, he goes, hey, why should I have talks with, with Biden? He doesn't know anything. He doesn't have any spine. You can't make a deal with him and expect him to stand up to it. And he really doesn't even know what's going on. That's not. He's not even. He's not even in control. Here's Mike Pompeo.
6: It's going to end that way. It will end with conversations just as just about every war, absent total defeat of one side or the other, ends. Uh, we're certainly something we should be engaged in today, but there's no evidence that Vladimir Putin's prepared to engage in that.
1: Yeah, and a, and a few weeks back, a few weeks back, I don't know, I think it was 2 weeks ago when the Nord Stream pipeline was sabotaged, Donald Trump posts this on Truth Social. US leadership should remain cool, calm and dry on the sabotage of the Nord Stream pipelines. Remember we talked about how uh, how maybe Russia Russia blew it up. Um, you know the the theory was Russia blew it up and to to put more pressure on the rest of the world that they're not getting gas. And we all said, "Why would that be?" And then we talked about a a a clip. We played a clip from Joe Biden saying, "Hey, you know what? Um, that Nord Stream two thing will will just go away um, at a certain point." And they say, "Well, how can you do that? The Germany's in in control of it." He goes, "Don't worry, we can do it." And so then there's speculation that when the uh, the pipeline opened from uh, Norway to uh, Poland. Um, that that same day the pipeline blew up that maybe it was the United States. And we waited for the other the other uh, uh, source of gas to get over there. And now Trump is saying, let me start this over again. This tweet, U.S. leadership should remain calm, cool and dry on the sabotage of the Nord Stream pipelines. This is a big event that should not entail a big solution, at least not yet. The Russia-Ukraine catastrophe should never have happened and would definitely not have happened if I were president. Do not make matters worse with the pipeline blow up. Be strategic. Be smart. Brilliant. Get a negotiated deal done now. Both sides need and want it. The entire world is at stake. I will head up the group. Question mark, question mark, question mark. You know what? There's a leader. There's a leader. Hey, we know this is not going to end with the Ukrainians surrendering. Um, we know that Putin's not gonna not gonna just back off. It's going to be some negotiation, and there's going to be some, some way that everybody saves face to stop, the, to stop this war, and it needs to be negotiated. And Trump's saying, hey, I'll head up the group. I don't think we can wait. I don't know that we can wait two years for him to be back in the White House. Pretty scary. Pretty scary. So uh, let's talk about Biden family value. Biden family values or maybe the Biden lack of family values. You know, there's there doesn't seem to be any anything that that uh, resembles values or character or ethics or anything in the whole Biden family. For decades, certain words were used to describe Joe Biden in the media. Good, honest, humble. And of course, they did that because, you know, his his wife and daughter were killed in a car accident in 1972 and uh, he lost his son, Bo in the uh to brain cancer and you know he and he's got the lowest net worth of any any senator and he he rides the he rides the subway from delaware to washington dc every day you know they call him six-pack joe so i guess if you don't have very much money and you're just a regular guy and uh, you drink beer and they call you a six-pack that that makes you good and honest and humble and of course in 2020 we saw a lot of those same people start riots, and do all kinds of ugly things to our country. So, not really sure the media has this thing down right. But almost two years into his presidency, there's increasing evidence that he's none of these good, honest, or humble. Let's talk about honesty. This week, the New York Times ran a story, not an opinion piece, but actual reporting that spells out the many ways in which Joe Biden exaggerates, embellishes, and flat-out lies. The headline says, Biden, storyteller-in-chief, spins yarns that often unravel. President Biden has been unable to break himself of the habit of embellishing narratives to weave a political identity. Standing in front of Floridians, who had lost everything during the Hurricane Ian, President Biden recalled his own house being nearly destroyed 15 years ago. We didn't lose our whole home, but lightning struck and we lost an awful lot of it, he said. Biden has mentioned this incident before, once saying that he knows what it's like having a house burned down with my wife in it. In fact, news reports at the time called it little more than a small fire that was contained to the kitchen and quoted the local Delaware fire chief as saying, the fire was under, under control in 20 minutes. But here's, here Biden is telling the story once again for Florida's hurricane victims
4: lightning struck a little pond behind my house, came up through the ground into the air conditioning system, ended up generating thick black smoke, literally, literally that of those proportions. And from the basement to the third floor, the attic, Everything was ruined and the kitchen floor, we almost lost a couple of firefighters, they tell me, because the kitchen floor was the burning between the beams and, and, and the house in addition to almost collapsed into the
1: basement. Yeah, that happened. you know, I think, you know, hey, Joe, I believe Joe Biden believes in this BS, but it just ain't true. Back to the Times article. The fire story is not an isolated example of embellishment. Biden's exaggerated biography includes a story that he was a civil rights activist who was repeatedly arrested. He has claimed to have been an award winning student who earned three degrees. And last week, speaking in the hurricane devastated Puerto Rico, he said he'd been raised in a Puerto Rican community at home politically. For more than four decades, Biden has embraced the storytelling as a way of connecting to his audience, often emphasizing the truth of his account by adding. Not a joke in the middle of the story. And here he is doing that this very week as he exaggerated his presidential accomplishments on CNN. Look what I've gotten done. Name me a
4: president in recent history that's gotten as much done as I have in the first two years. Not a joke. You may not like what I got done, but the vast majority of the American people do like what I got done.
1: I think the vast majority of Americans don't like what he got done. They might have thought about, hey, when he was campaigning things, hey, you know what? Going green sounds like a good idea. Hey, uh, opening the, you know, uh, letting people in that are, uh, re- that are, uh, refugees from other countries. That sounds like a good, a good, uh, uh, a good caring idea. This stuff seems like a good idea, but now that they're paying seven bucks for gas in, uh, in California and $5 across the country, um, you know, maybe it's not such a good idea. Hey, The the majority of Americans, they think it's a a good idea. Let's get back to the article. Biden's folksiness can veer into folklore with dates that don't quite add up and details that are exaggerated or wrong. The factual edges shaved off to make them more powerful for audiences. You know, this is good in the movies. This is good in the movies. So if you think about the movie uh, Pursuit of Happiness, Chris Gardner, uh, played by Will Smith, no, he's he's uh, his wife leaves him with this uh, seven or eight year old eight year old kid. Well, I met the real Chris Gardner at a uh, mortgage conference at one time, and he goes, "Hey, you know what? In real life, the baby was was uh, six months old, and I was dealing with a newborn, and my wife and my wife took off. And I say, hey, you know what? That would seem more tragic than dealing with hey putting your putting your little boy in daycare and having to pick him up, find a place, but having a having to take care of a, a newborn." under those circumstances. But, you know, I guess it worked better for the movies because then Will Smith could have his son play his, his son in the, in the movie and Rudy Rudiger in the movie, Rudy, you know, it, uh, if you read my book and I talk about having met Rudy Rudiger, the real one um, you know, Rudy Rudiger gets out of high school and he doesn't go to work in the steel plant and watch his, watch his friend get killed. He really goes into the military. Um, so they change it to be more dramatic in the movies and that's okay. But this is the president of the United States. His, story, his stories have been repeatedly and publicly challenged as far back as 1987 when he was campaigning for president, when his attempts to adopt someone else's life story as his own and his false claims about his academic record forced him to withdraw. Remember this?
4: I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. Went back to law school and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only 123 credits. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half
0: scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class. And won only one degree, not three.
1: Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School.
4: I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight.
1: Now Biden says Newsweek is right. His memory had failed him. Well oh yeah, his memory had failed him. Too bad the American people's memories failed them as well 37 years later when he ran for president. And you know what, uh, and I don't think Biden had a chance of winning. I mean, if you looked at the looked at the primaries, uh, Bernie Sanders was was kicking his butt, but the Democrats knew that Bernie Sanders wasn't going to be able to stand up to, uh, to to Donald Trump in the in the general election. And of course, either did Joe Biden. And you'll notice that everybody got out in the same week. Well, hey, I'm going to end my I'm going to suspend my campaign and get behind Joe Biden. I'm going to uh, suspend my campaign. I'm going to uh, vote for for uh, for I'm going to support Joe Biden as the as a candidate, because he's the strongest chance we have to win. You know, I think like seven or eight eight candidates got out in the same week. And of course, they're all s- watching Biden stand up there with his, uh, with his memory lapsing and uh, his brain faltering going, man, why did I get out and let this guy have it? Uh, so you've all seen, and you know what's funny is we've all seen people in social media uh, quoting, Trump lies about everything. Every time Trump says something, he's lying. So we're all familiar with the way Joe Biden has used his family tragedies for political gain over the years. One of those tragedies is the death of his son, Beau, who died from brain cancer seven years ago. Over and over, Biden has used Beau's story to garner sympathy and appear relatable to voters. Every time he does it, he gets more outrageous. And this week, he topped himself again. At the ceremony to to make Camp Hale in Colorado, a National World, World War II monument, Biden falsely claimed that Beau Biden died while fighting in Iraq.
4: American soldiers of the 10th Mountain Division scaled that 1,800-foot cliff at night, caught the Germans by surprise, captured, captured key positions, and broke through the German defense line at a pivotal point in the war. Just imagine, I mean it sincerely. I say this as the father of a man who won the Bronze Star, the Conspicuous Service Medal, and lost his life in
3: Iraq.
1: Lost his life in Iraq. Well, I didn't actually say he was fighting in Iraq. Um, but he did say he lost his life in Iraq, and I guess the, if if anybody asks uh, Kareen Jean Pierre, she's going to say, "Well, the Biden family that likes to claim that Bo's cancer was caused by toxic burn pits that he was exposed to in Iraq, um, and that's and that's what he said he lost his life in Iraq." But nonetheless, he died from cancer, not from combat. And as he's talking about the World War II uh, combat veterans, and then brings up his uh, as his. As a father of a son who's got the bronze star and the conspicuous uh, uh, whatever award he got and uh, lost his life in Iraq. I just I just think he's uh, embellishing to try and make himself like he's some kind of a hero. Meanwhile, The Washington Post is reporting that the federal agents who've been investigating Joe's less noble son, Hunter, for four years have finally gathered sufficient evidence to charge him with tax crimes and lying to buy a gun. Is that all? Are you kidding me? Is that all they could come up with for Hunter Biden? They didn't talk about uh, the China thing, the Ukraine thing, didn't try talk about any of that. The next step is for the U.S. attorney in Delaware to decide whether to file charges. What does Papa Joe have to say about it? More of the same sad sack, fake, fake family values, garbage he's been spouting for decades.
4: I'm, I'm, I'm proud of my son. This was a kid who got, uh, not a kid, he's a grown man. He got uh, hooked on... Uh, Uh, like many families have had happen, hooked on drugs. Uh, He's overcome that. He's established a new life. I I, I have have great confidence in my son. I love him. And uh, he's on the straight and narrow, and he has been for a couple years now. And I'm just so proud of him.
1: Yeah, it's always good to be proud of your son that, uh, you know, he's been on the straight and narrow for two years. He's 52. What the hell? When are you supposed to get on the straight and narrow? When are you supposed to get your life together? Hopefully before your kids are grown, hopefully before you have kids, so that your kids won't be messed up like your kids were. Joe Biden, your daughter, your daughter's messed up, your son's messed up. You know, and like, and he talks about, hey, you he got hooked on drugs, like many families have have experienced. Yeah, many families, and I don't want to uh, rank on everybody, but you know what? Uh, I've always said, your kids are a reflection of what kind of a parent you were if your kids are messed up, you are probably a messed up parent, you know, and, and uh and, and I look at my kids and my Don and I have three between us and we're uh, all three of our kids are gainfully employed. They make money, they pay their own bills, they're responsible. And uh, we're proud of that. And I give most of the credit to my wife, but uh because uh, she, she taught me about, she taught me about being a father first and a corporate president second and making the right decisions with my kids. And, uh, so I give her all the credit for how good my, our, our, uh, our kids came out. But again, your kids are a reflection of how you parented and Don and I are a team as I'm sure Joe and Jill were. Um, so Hey, all the credit, all the credit and all the disgrace to Joe and Jill, the, the the leaders of our country. So Andrew McCarthy, who you may know from Fox News and his National Review columns, is also a former U.S. attorney. He wants us to remember where our focus should be when it comes to Hunter Biden, as I say say, uh, many times, not on his laptop, not on his drug problems, not on his taxes, his illegal gun purchases, or his history of impregnating strippers. But instead, we should focus on the foreign money that Hunter funneled into the Biden family and more importantly, the fact that Papa Joe knew all about it. Remember how Hunter was holding 10% for the big guy? What gets swept under the rug is the thing that's actually of consequence to the country, which is the fact that foreign regimes, some of them hostile to the United States, such as China, poured millions of dollars, millions, uh, into the coffers of the Biden family And I really think we make a mistake when we talk about this as the Hunter Biden
5: investigation, which is just a diversion from the fact that what's interesting and of importance to the American people is not what Hunter gingerly calls his
1: tax matter, but the fact that these regimes paid millions and millions of dollars into the Biden family uh, and the fact that the president himself is implicated in at least one of those transactions. In at least, you know, and now, uh, now now we think about, hey, you know what all this stuff was known. The Democrats know how serious this is, but you know what they did? They impeached Donald Trump in the house. They impeached him for asking Ukraine about what Joe Biden bragged about. Hey, you know what, all this money was going to Brisma and uh Burisma, and if you don't uh and if you don't fire the prosecutor that's gonna that's going to uh that's investigating Brisma, which I have my son installed as one of the board members so he can get paid and uh, give half of it to me. Um, hey, you're not getting our American tax dollars. And he goes, uh, you know what? Hey, I leave in six hours. If he's not fired, you're not getting the money. Son of a bee. The guy got fired. What do you know? What do you know? And Trump asked asked Ukrainian president, hey, can you look into this? Is there any truth to any of this stuff going on that was going on over there? And they impeached Trump over that. They didn't have a problem with Biden funneling all that money into his, his, uh, his family and into his bank account with that. Now the big headline is the January 6th committee decided to subpoena Donald Trump to testify. Do they realize this will be the first Republican that gets to testify on Trump's behalf? No, and, the, and the, what I hear in social media is Trump wants to testify. He wants to get in front of them and, uh, and, and defend himself. So now they want to subpoena him and we'll see what goes on. And and just think about this. Three weeks from Tuesday is election day, folks. Some of you guys are getting getting uh, ballots in the mail already. And of course, they're advertising to vote early and vote often. It's so important that we act right now. So anyway, hey, I'm all, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. So my name is Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back again with you next week.